Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this episode about the book Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. Keep listening to find out why employees are people too and how you might become a bad person. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. Welcome back and thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Steph's Business Bookshelf. Also, thanks to those who have left some reviews and some ratings on iTunes or on the Apple Podcasts app over the last couple of weeks. Really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. If you haven't already done that, now is your time. You can do it while you're listening, not while you're driving. Don't do it if you're driving on the Apple Podcasts app. Very simple. Just open up the podcast and there'll be a little link to leave a review. Also, thanks to those of you who got involved if we're connected on LinkedIn or on Instagram in the last couple of weeks on my shelfie post inspired by my friend Leanne Hughes of the First Time Facilitator podcast. We were sharing our favorite books and taking photos of ourselves with our favorite books. If you haven't already seen that link or that post, then I'll put some links in the show notes so you can join in the conversation. There were some, also some great recommendations and follow-up posts from other people. So make sure you follow the hashtag Shelfie because you'll see a few good new book recommendations that you maybe haven't heard of yet. I definitely picked up lots of new things to read, which makes me very stressed because I've already got a huge to-read list. So we're in episode 33 and it's taken me this long to get to a Simon Sinek book. If you haven't heard of Simon Sinek, where have you been? If you've ever been asked what your why is or at work, they're talking about purpose and talking about the why rather than the what or the how of what you do. Simon is probably to blame for that. He has a hugely popular TED talk, which sparked huge conversations in organizations and industries around the world about purpose. This is probably what he's most famous for, but he also has some other books and thought leadership, particularly around intergenerational workforces, how to work with millennials. And more recently, he's talking about the infinite game, which is going to be released later this year. For my Australian listeners, he is coming to Australia in 2020. I'll put a link to the Growth Faculty website there where you can find out more about tickets to go and see him live talking about the infinite game. A little bit more about the author before we dive into the three big ideas I took from the book Leaders Eat Last. Simon is an unshakable optimist who believes in a bright future and our ability to build it together. Described as a visionary thinker with rare intellect, Simon teaches leaders and organizations how to inspire people. With a bold goal to help build a world in which the vast majority of people wake up feeling every single day inspired, feel safe at work and feel fulfilled at the end of each day, Simon is leading a movement to inspire people to do the things that inspire them. Simon is the author of multiple best-selling books, including Start With Why, Leaders Eat Last, Together Is Better, and Find Your Why. His new book, The Infinite Game, will be released in 2019. And that's taken from Simon's website. So a little bit about this book. In his work with organizations and around the world, Simon Sinek noticed that some teams trust each other so deeply that they would literally put their lives on the line for each other. Other teams, no matter what incentives are offered, are doomed to infighting, fragmentation and failure. But why? The answer became clear during a conversation with a Marine Corps general. Officers eat last, he said. Simon watched as the most junior Marines ate first, while the most senior Marines took their place at the back of the line. What's symbolic in the chow hall is deadly serious on the battlefield. Great leaders sacrifice their own comfort, even their own survival, for the good of those in their care. Too many workplaces are driven by cynicism, paranoia and self-interest. But the best ones foster trust and cooperation because their leaders build what Simon calls a circle of safety that separates the security inside the team from the challenges outside. 
Simon illustrates his ideas with fascinating true stories that range from the military to big business, from government to investment banking. Again, taken from Simon's website, link is in the show notes. I've also included a link to Simon's website with some of the articles and insights that you can read and watch and listen to of his, some of the courses as well that he offers, and also to Simon's TED Talks. All right, so let's get into the three big ideas that I took from the book Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. Big idea number one, employees are people too. There's a case study and stories in the book about the Hasten Standiacre factory, which very much had when the new leadership took over an us and them mentality between those on the factory floor doing the work versus those in the office who were managing and administration and leadership. They actually treated the workers differently. So for example, those on the factory floor had to clock in and out. They had to ask to take a break if they needed to take a personal phone call or come in early or go leave later or anything like that. Not only that, but those on the factory floor had to use a payphone if they needed to make any or wanted to make any phone calls, whereas those in the office could use their mobile phones or the office phone. This us and them mentality clearly didn't breed great relationships between those on the factory floor and those in the office and just completely eroded trust because it was very much like two classes of citizen. What they needed to do and what they ended up doing was unlocking the empathy by leveling the playing field, by taking away a lot of those barriers and rules that were in place that separated the two different types of workers or the two different types of roles. Largely, they extended trust and they allowed the factory workers to have the same working conditions and the same flexible working conditions as those in the office had enjoyed. What this started to do was create trust and relationships and bonds between all the different workers. This was really emphasized as it often does when there was some hardship. So for example, when someone's wife became very ill and they didn't have enough holiday or annual leave and and medical leave to take to look after her, the employees clubbed together to pull their paid leave and their sick leave to cover so that the other person could take the other people's spare leave. This was a huge gesture and particularly a huge moment to realize that all of the teams saw each other as a bit of a family and having to stick together and help each other. Extending the trust and building the bridges between the different workers didn't just extend to the human connection and the human outcome. They also had real business outcomes as well. So during the time that these transformations, these changes were happening, revenue went from 55 million US dollars to 95 million dollars. Thefts decreased, people raised their issues when they had them, and they worked for pride, not obligation. And you could see that in the discretionary effort that people were putting in. Every so often when I'm talking to leaders or teams, I hear these kinds of, this kind of language that shows a bit of an us and them mentality. Things around maybe working from home, things around different conditions for different people. And it all comes down to trust. And there's a famous quote, and I don't know who it's attributed to around, if you don't trust your teams to do the work they need to do, why did you hire them? If you don't trust someone to work from home, Why did you hire them? Why have you got them on your team if you don't trust them? And I think it's a really powerful question to reflect on. On the other side, it's thinking about how you then demonstrate and build trust because again, people can't be what they can't see. So if you as a leader are demonstrating trust and extending trust to your team, this is really powerful to actually help your team trust you. There are several other examples in that particular case study or in that particular story. So it's well worth reading the book to actually get into those and see what happened. And especially when the company faced some difficult financial situations. And again, the employees clubbed together to make sure that people didn't have to be let go 
and many of them started working part-time, which meant that there was more money to go around, which meant that they could keep people on rather than letting them go. That was big idea number one, employees are people too. Thinking about building trust and how you're treating everyone equally. Big idea number two is that bad leaders can make you a bad person. You may also be aware of the milligram experiment, which happened a couple of decades ago. And it was really to establish why do good people sometimes do bad things? And the interesting correlation they found was around what the impact of a leader had on that. So as a bit of context, in this experiment, they had a student, a teacher and a scientist. The student and the scientist were both part of the experiment, but the, the people who were the teacher didn't know that. The student was wired up to an electric shock machine and the teacher, who was the volunteer and didn't know what was being tested or what they were being asked to do or why they were being asked to do it, had to shock the student when they got answers wrong on a test. The scientist was giving the teacher direction and telling them at what point to turn up the voltage and what point to shock them. Now, what was interesting is the impact of whether the teacher could see the student. So, for example, when there was no contact or view of the student being shocked that they were hurting, 65% of the teachers obeyed the scientist and went through to a potentially lethal shock. That's right, 65%. All because they were told to by the person in charge or the scientist. Now, quick note, no one was actually harmed during this experiment. The students, it was a bit of a, it was a fake. They didn't actually get a proper shock. Now contrast that when the teacher, so the volunteer, had to put the student's hand on the electric plate which administered the shock, 70% of people stopped quite early in the process, so before, way before they got to that dangerous or that potentially lethal shock voltage. This has impact in our organisations as well. So for example, if you can't see the people you're hurting or damaging from an emotional perspective, from a leadership perspective, what, does that, what is the impact of that in terms of how you choose your behaviours? As you get further away from those who are impacted by your decisions, how does that impact your decisions? Now, quite interestingly, again, in this study, some people did feel remorse. They felt really terrible for what they'd done and they couldn't really understand themselves why they had done what they did just because they were told to. However, others didn't. They blamed the student and said that they deserved it, which is even more worrying, isn't it? So it goes to show as well how bad leaders can make you a bad person. So if you've got the scientists on your shoulder telling you that it's okay, it doesn't matter if people get hurt or people are upset by decisions, what is the impact of that? Especially if you can't see the people who are being impacted by whatever's been done. So that was big idea number two. Bad leaders can make you a bad person. Big idea number three. Bad cultures equal bad leaders. Probably no surprise here with this one. Bad cultures drive things underground. It forces people into protection mode and therefore it lowers trust and it diminishes good behavior. There was examples in the book of Goldman Sachs and Citigroup and the leaders who alienated their staff and created really toxic cultures. Even when in some of those cases, particularly at Goldman Sachs, there had been very strong and good cultures previously. It only took a few people to come in and change that dynamic, create toxicity, diminish trust, create an us and them culture and reward and recognize different behaviors. And that ultimately is what drives what people will do. There's also the famous story from Captain Marquette from the book or made famous by the book, Turn the Ship Around, who issued bad orders and the staff did it because he asked. So similar to the, the experiment in Big Idea Number Two, which could have been a disaster. This was on a, a Navy ship. Bad things will happen if you issue bad orders in those environments. 
What that made him realize that top-down leadership has real problems. You need to provide instead direction and vision and help the team figure it out. Because of the work that Captain Marquette did with his team on that particular boat, nine out of the 14 crew went on to captain their own ships. He created more leaders by leading in a different way, which is something in a military organization you wouldn't always imagine is the case. But what he found, like I said, is that by providing vision and direction and guidance and coaching, it had a much better outcome. Better decisions were made. There was better communication. There was less fear and more collaboration. Just because you're in charge doesn't mean you know all the answers. So that was big idea number three, bad cultures equal bad leaders. So a quick recap of the three big ideas from the book, Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. Number one, employees are people too. Number two, bad leaders can make you a bad person. And number three, bad cultures equal bad leaders. If you've already read this book, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you learnt, what you took away, what you took into your own leadership in particular or your team. I'd love to compare notes. As usual, any feedback, suggestions, comments, etc. Drop me a note. Contact details are all in the show notes as usual. But otherwise, until next time, happy reading. Happy reading.